What up? It's Dramos from the Life as a Gringo podcast. Here to give a shout out to State Farm for proudly supporting this show and all the storytellers on the Michael Tura podcast network. State Farm values family as much as we do, and that's why they offer surprisingly great rates. So you don't have to give up doing the things you love with the folks you love. With State Farm, you'll help protect what's important to you. Together, we are committed to elevating Latino voices. It's our time to be heard about so many topics. And with help from State Farm, we can speak on things like mental health, culture, financial literacy, living life as a gringo, and so much more. State Farm supports our vision, our communities, our neighborhoods, and our people because our loved ones are just as important to them as they are to you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, a proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. All right, that screaming that you hear in the background is a crowd of people leaving a New York City subway. The N train hit by what they say might have been an explosion from a bomb. There was 10 people shot. Bad day for the city of New York. What's up, everybody? It's Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, bringing you this bad news on uh, this uh, terrible attack that happened on Tuesday morning during rush hour here in New York City. And it's really unfortunate. I I mean, I just, you know, I'm beside myself because I'm looking at images of just people, uh, some of them Asian, some of them white, that are coming out of of the train and, you know, somebody's on the floor, one person's bleeding, another person gets next to them. They're also bleeding. Looks like they, it looks like they were hit with shrapnel or buckshot. Doesn't look like they're actually, you know, hit with bullets, but we'll see. 16 people in total are in, in bad shape. Some of those people now in critical condition, the majority did not sustain uh, injuries that were life-threatening. We have an update from the police commissioner of the city of New York, Keyshant Sewell. Listen to this. Just before 8.24 this morning, As a Manhattan-bound N-train waited to enter the 36th Street station, an individual on that train donned what appeared to be a gas mask. He then took a canister out of his bag and opened it. The train at that time began to fill with smoke. He then opened fire, striking multiple people on the subway and in the platform. Again, we will describe him as an individual. He is being reported as a male black, approximately five feet, five inches tall with a heavy build. He was wearing a green construction type vest and a hooded sweatshirt. The color is gray. So that's what they know so far. And hours later, they're still reporting. They don't know what's going on again. That's from Tuesday, the attack on the New York City subway. And we'll keep you up to speed on that as more information comes out. But also bad news coming out of New York, the lieutenant governor. Now, again, you know, Governor Kathy Hochul is the governor right now because the last governor had to step down because of sexual harassment allegations and whatnot. That would be Essential Andy, Essential Andy Cuomo from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast because he figured out how to determine who was essential and who wasn't. Well, he's out. She's in. Then Chris Cuomo, his brother, was under fire. And now it seems that her lieutenant governor, 
Brian Benjamin, who was now arrested on bribery charges this morning by the United States Attorney's Office, the Department of Justice. And here's the, the scoop on that from Fox News. Brian Benjamin was indicted. Again, New York Lieutenant Governor Brian Benjamin was indicted for allegedly accepting bribes and committing other offenses as part of what federal prosecutors are saying was a scheme to get campaign contributions in excess of $50,000 for a state grant, meaning he was trading state grants for campaign cash in a nutshell. The indictment also alleges that Brian Benjamin and others worked to cover up the plot engaging in a series of lies and deception. According to the indictment from 2019 through 2021, Benjamin carried out the scheme while he was state senator and a candidate for New York State Controller. During that time, Benjamin allegedly solicited campaign donations that were being raised by a real estate developer who in exchange would win state funds for a nonprofit through a grant. Unbelievable. Now, I know some of you are thinking, that's very believable. People do stuff like this all the time. I say unbelievable because I worked in state government and never once was I even offered a bribe. Not that I would accept it, but I just, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't as prevalent as you think it is. In order to hide this, the indictment says Benjamin allegedly falsified campaign donor forms. And in 2021, when he was being vetted for the lieutenant governor job, he provided falsely uh, prepared statements that said he'd never, quote, directly exercised, quote, unquote, his direct authority as an official concerning a matter regarding a donor that he directly solicited. Benjamin is now facing charges of bribery, conspiracy, honest services, wire fraud, and falsification of records. The various offenses carry maximal pen and, uh, penalties between 5 and 20 years. Wow. The feds are also seeking forfeiture of his money. All funds involved, if he doesn't have any left, any other property that Mr. Benjamin may have up to the value of forfeitable property. They're coming after him hard. Governor Kathy Hochul was asked at the same press conference you just heard the police chief speaking at uh, what she thought about this. And she said, we'll get to that later. Right now, we're going to deal with this, which I think is fair. And, um, you know, what are you going to do? You can't force her to answer questions in the middle of uh, people getting shot on the subway. Not a great look for Eric Adams. Now, to be fair, Eric Adams was not in Fort Lee, New Jersey at his home. He was in Gracie Mansion. He's quarantined because he has... Uh, coronavirus. So he released a video saying, hey, I'm working in very close consort with uh, with, you know, everybody that's there actually working. And I'm here because I've got coronavirus. Now, are you saying, well, Rich, that's unfair. He, You can't beat the guy up because he's got coronavirus. N no, I, I can't. I guess I presume I can't. But I, I want to think that, you know, if it were me and this happened in my city, I think I'd be like, you know what, I'm rolling up in my own car. Uh, the coronavirus is not as deadly as a guy that's, you know, putting on a gas mask, shooting people and potentially setting off some sort of smoke bomb. Right. So as the leader of the city, you got to go and do what you got to do when 9-11 happened. And again, I'm not comparing this to 9-11, but I'm using 9-11 as a comparison for an emergency. Rudy Giuliani showed up, even though Mike Bloomberg was the incoming mayor. He could have sat this one out and said, hey, here you go, Mike. Nobody. He showed up and he did what he had to do. And I think that's what leaders do. Here we are. So bad day in the city of New York for politicians, in particular, Brian Benjamin, who I know. Uh, I, don't, I shouldn't say I know. It's not like he's my boy. But I've been to a few events with him. I've had the pleasure of meeting him. He's actually a very nice guy. And um, it's unfortunate to see these things. You don't want to see the people that you elect to public office getting arrested. Now, of course, there's a segment of our population that lives for this. You know, they chant things like, lock her up, <laughs> you know. And, and I would love to see Hillary Clinton go to jail, too, just because I would love to see some sort of accountability. But I realize 
that politics isn't an honest man's game. Honest people don't typically say, you know what, I want to become this or I want to become a state senator. This is a, a business just like being a drug dealer where you're either going to be dead or in jail if you're in it long enough. That's just how politics works. So I think the, the majority of these guys that are able to get into Congress and get out and become millionaires, they figured it out. They know the secret sauce. But in this um, current climate that we have, this is where we're at. It's a very dangerous game. You mess around with the wrong people. You lose the right loyalty. You lose, you lose the wrong loyalty. Whatever kind of loyalty there is, because there really isn't much of loyalty anyway in Washington, right? Or anywhere else, Trenton, Albany. Sacramento, you name it, Tallahassee, any of these places. There is no loyalty in this game. And that's what makes it dangerous, especially when cartels come uh, a-knocking, right? Hey, we need you to do whatever, right? That's more like Mexican, right? <laughs> but whatever, you get my point. You get some Mexican cartel guy, Colombian cartel guy, whoever. They come and they're like, hey, look, this, we don't want this guy, or we don't want that, or we need this deal to go to that developer, or that developer's with us, or that's actually our development company. You need to make this happen and make that happen and do this and do that. And listen, I, I know about this stuff. Uh, I've met people that have been through this. I had a friend that was a city council person in a city here in New Jersey, in Passaic, New Jersey, years ago. And there was this big roundup back when United States Attorney Chris Christie was in town. And he rounded up a bunch of people, locked one of these guys up. This guy was a councilman. He was also a high school history teacher. He's a really good guy. At the time that all this happened, not the arrest, but the time that he got involved, he called me and told me, listen, he's like, some people gave me some money. They shoved it in my pocket. They kind of slammed the door in my face and just gave me an envelope full of money. I put it in my pocket. I walked away. He thought it was the Russian mob. Little did he know it was the United States government. Now we know that the United States government, the FBI in particular, set, uh, created a plot, a ruse, to um, entice people to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer and then arrested all those people for taking their bait. But they never had the intention of actually kidnapping this woman until the FBI said, hey, you should kidnap her. And, and that's in many ways what happened to this guy. And he tried to file an appeal on the basis of entrapment and was granted the appeal, but he couldn't afford to fight it because he had already sold his house. He was already in, in, you know, in a world of hurt and uh, eventually did his time and he came out. All the other people took a deal and they did less time. He did more time because he would never plead guilty to something that he didn't do. And he, he stood up for himself and ended up paying a lot more uh, jail time for that. But the point I'm making is that's just where we are. That's how this thing works. It's a dirty game. And it's not an honest man's sport. So when you read that so-and-so was arrested, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate because we don't want that situation. But some people are going to breathe a sigh of relief and say, you know what? There is justice. We're getting people. My only concern is, is Brian Benjamin the bad guy that we need to get? And not a defense of him. I'm just saying, is he? Uh, obviously, if he did the crime, he should do the time. But what about all the other crooks that are out there, and why aren't we focusing on them? What about the mountains of evidence that we see with Hunter Biden? This Hunter Biden piece that came out on Yahoo News earlier this week. New revelations on Hunter Biden raise concerns for counterintelligence by Michael Isakoff and Zach Dorfman. Patrick Ho hardly seemed like a profile of a big-time international fixer. A short, pudgy man affectionately known to friends as Fat Ping, P-I-N-G. Ho had been a Harvard-trained ophthalmologist and a Hong Kong government Minister. After landing at JFK Airport in New York, he was arrested by FBI. 
charged in a uh, audacious plot to dole out millions of dollars in bribes to African leaders in exchange for major energy contracts that appeared to advance the Chinese government and their interests. Sounds exactly like the Brian Benjamin story, because this is what the term ambitus, this political corruption that dates back to the Roman Empire, at a minimum, this is what it's all about. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. It goes on. What emerged in, in his indictment and later in his trial and conviction in federal court was a revealing portrait of Chinese influence peddling that included allegations that Ho arranged to broker an arms deal, including the sale of rocket and grenade launchers to countries in war zones, particularly in Africa and the Middle East. One more noteworthy detail, however, was that Ho's global wheeling and dealing went unmentioned in federal court documents or DOJ press releases at that time. During the same time that he was being pursued by the FBI for this role, Ho and his boss, Ye Jiang Ming, a billionaire oil tycoon with past ties to a front for the People's Liberation Army, they had entered into a business relationship with two members of the Biden family, the president's son, Hunter Biden, and the president's brother, James Biden. Isn't that something? As Yahoo News first reported, when Ho was arrested by JFK, um, agents and the FBI, he first made a call, and the first call he made was to James Biden. <laughs> when they asked James Biden, why'd he call you? He says, I thought he was calling Hunter. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. That's the sound of the bus backing up so James Biden could drive it right over Hunter because he just threw Hunter under the bus and drove it on top of him. Unbelievable. At the time, Ho's connection to the Bidens was unclear. But emails on a damaged laptop that Hunter Biden left at a computer repair store, which is no longer deemed Russian disinformation, happened to be in Wilmington, Delaware, by the way, many of which have been since authenticated by the Washington Post, the Washington Times and the New York Post, as well as bank records and other documents that were uncovered by the Senate Republican investigators reveal a high dollar money trail that flowed from Chinese interests to Hunter Biden and James Biden, which now appears to be at the heart of an ongoing DOJ criminal investigation. Huh. And when they reached out to uh, Hunter's attorney, George Mazeers, he says, uh, no comment, you know, can't talk to you, can't help you with that. It's a really long article. I will share it on social media, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez. You can read it on your own time. I encourage you to do so and share it so that other people know what's going on. But fascinating that this is the same hustle, it's the same scheme. It's as old as prostitution and farming. This is what it is. So it shouldn't come as a surprise, but maybe this is my problem, right? Maybe I'm just immune to all of this crazy stuff because I've seen so much of it. I don't know. But I do know that I think it's incredible that you have the president's son getting a pass and you have the the lieutenant governor in New York not getting a pass. And we have to figure out, maybe we got to get those investigators from the Southern District of New York to work on this Hunter Biden thing and maybe they'll get them because those are the same guys that were going after Trump and they were relentless. They couldn't get them on anything, but they were relentless. It reminds me of that TV show Billions. I don't know if you've seen that show on Showtime, but it's about this U.S. attorney who's hell-bent on getting this billionaire and the billionaire pulls all these stunts, Bobby Axelrod. And, uh, the first, I don't know, few seasons are great. They have a new season with a new billionaire. It's not Axelrod, not as good. Haven't really watched it. But my point is it kind of rips uh, a few headlines from, from real life and then, you know, romanticizes it and makes Hollywood out of it. But it's an enjoyable program and gives you a sense of what's going on. Just like House of Cards, in my opinion, kind of rings true in many ways. Just even like the TV show Scandal in many ways um, rings true in so many ways. So anyway, enough of that. This isn't an entertainment review, but I wanted to say it was a bad day for New York and it's unfortunate. So 
So as we get more information on what's going on in those two big headlines, we'll bring you more. But I also want to bring you what's going on with the numbers, because apparently people are falling out of love with Joel Baboso Biden. So we're going to get to some poll numbers and more on the other side of this. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all the social media. This is America. This is America. What up, what up? It's Dramos from the Life as a Gringo podcast. And y'all already know food has the power to bring people together. Whether it's takeout for two or watching the season finale of your favorite show or going to a barbecue with your peoples. Both go great with an ice-cold Coca-Cola by your side. And if you can't cook, chips and dip work, especially as you listen to your go-to podcast. At Michael Tura, we know familia, friends, and community matter. That's why we aim to elevate Latino voices. So share the magic of our podcast with your friends and add a Coca-Cola to the mix. Because there's magic when we eat together. Coca-Cola, proud partner of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows, Like Life is a Gringo, available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. He's got the best head of hair in podcasting. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And welcome to the program. If it's your first time, thank you for joining us. Uh, segment number two of this show today. And uh, if you heard me for the first time on the Mark Levin Show, again, I want to thank you for subscribing and listening and we talk about lots of things here not just politics especially when politics gets a little bit dry sometimes i like to look at different headlines and different crazy things that are out there and one of the things that i want to look at is the um headline here there's a several several headlines here one of which is this blind driver breaks speed record in new mexico <laughs> okay that's kind of silly albino deer caught on camera next to missouri road Ah, eh, not so much 100 skydivers older than 60 attempt a world record. Hmm. The largest belt buckle has been unveiled. And then there's this one. Florida student accepted to 27 colleges offered $4 million in scholarships. I like that one. That looks like a good story. And the, um, the thumbnail image here is of an uh, African-American young lady with um, long braided hair. A Florida student has some big decisions ahead of him after, I guess it was a young man, <laughs> <laughs> with long hair, being accepted to the 27 colleges and universities and amassing $4 million in scholarship offers. Jonathan Walker, 18, a senior at Rutherford High School in Panama City, said he narrowed his nearly secondary uh, choices in education down to 27 schools, including Harvard, Yale, 
and University of Pennsylvania. And he was surprised when he received offers from all 27 that he applied to. He said, I think, quote, I think it's so crazy that I think I applied to all these colleges and actually got in. Walker told CBS Miami. It's such a rare thing, but the fact is that it did happen, so I'm really excited about it. Walker has already been earning college credits through International Baccalaureate Program, credited his essays and whatnot that he was doing in college through several of these schools. Blah, 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 blah. Big story here, this guy scored. Good for him. It's the American dream. A couple of more. I like this one. Woman wins $10 million after accidentally pushing the wrong button on a lottery machine. Right next to it, there's another article. It says women wins uh, $50,000 on a scratch-off that her husband bought her as a joke. But this woman here won $10 million. bucks. Laquidra Edwards. Last November, Edwards had put just $40 into a lottery ticket vending machine at a supermarket in L.A. when some rude person bumped into her, causing her to accidentally push the wrong button on the machine. She said... He just bumped into me. He didn't say anything and just walked out the door, Edward said. Ha! Look at that. She eventually purchased uh, cheaper tickets, but the accidental button push meant she'd bought a $30 200X scratcher ticket. Edward said that she was annoyed because she had just dropped most of her money on one single ticket. But once she was in the car, she started scratching the $30 ticket and realized she'd won the top prize of $10 million bucks. Quote, I didn't really believe it at first, but I got the four, I got on the 405 freeway and kept looking down at the ticket. And I almost crashed my car, she said. I pulled over, looked at it again and again, and scanned it with my California mobile app and just kept thinking, this can't be right. Edward said she's going to use her winnings to buy a house and start a nonprofit organization. Congratulations to LaQuisha Edwards. Amen. That's the American dream, right? All you need is a dollar and a dream. Now, funny story, and you may have heard me share this story in the past. My brother, Robert Valdez, bought a $20 scratch-off in New York and won $5 bucks. After taxes, it was something like $3.5 million. And he's having a grand old time today. He was already doing well financially. He's a great businessman. But just goes to show you, yep, sometimes all you need is a dollar and a dream. But Joe El Baboso Biden is going to need a lot more than a dollar and a dream because he's printing and printing billions and billions and putting us into trillions of debt. And it's not helping. It's not helping at all. Check out this headline here. Poll, only 7% believe that the nation is doing very, very well under Joe Biden. This is according to Breitbart News. Only 7% believe the country's doing well, while 33% say the nation's doing very badly. On the economy, 9% of Americans say Biden's national economy is doing very well. Wow, only 9% say we're doing well, okay? 31% say it's doing very badly on whether Biden's doing enough to reduce this 40-year high record inflation. Only 31% say that he is, but 69% said that he's not. Biden's approval with independents is also struggling. Only 12% of independents strongly approve of the president. Wow, that's a big dip because the last time I read the independent poll, it was, he was at uh, 29%. So now he's at 12. That's bad. On specific issues, Biden's also struggling with gaining traction amongst independents. In fact, n- with the uh, majority of independents not approving of his economic management. disapprove on inflation, 74% disapprove on the Ukrainian war, 59% disapprove on immigration, 69% disapprove, and on crime, 66% disapprove. 
No bueno. This is the CBS YouGov poll that they just had last week. Woo! April 10th. Biden's terrible poll numbers. Not looking good for him. Not looking good for their fundraising. Not looking good for any of those things. In fact, listen to this one from Mika Brzezinski, NBC News, MSNBC. I believe it's what... uh, they call it nowadays. Check this out. It's a new measure of just how much inflation is soaring, and the numbers are staggering. The consumer price index jumped 8.5% in March from 12 months earlier. That is the biggest year-over-year growth in 40 years. You have to go back to 1981 to see a similar jump in the costs of food, gasoline, and housing. As the AP frames it, the economic squeeze is effectively wiping out the pay raises that many people have received. And that's probably just the beginning. Probably just the beginning is right now. Check this one out. I got this one more article that I want to share with you because I think it's, uh, Interesting. It's focusing on one segment of the population. It says, while everyone else is kicking themselves for voting for Biden, college-educated women are doubling down. This is in The Federalist. And the headline is, while everyone else is kicking themselves for voting for Biden, college-educated women are doubling down. NBC News recently compared several polls to find huge shifts from Democrats to Republicans in 2022 midterm voter preferences. Then the big uh, exception here across several demographics was college educated women who in NBC's opinion showed even stronger support for Democrats now than they did ahead of the last midterm election. Now the key demographic is college educated women. Margot Cleveland tweeting, wow, college makes women stupider, (laughs) which I thought was funny. That actually was pretty funny. Thank you for sharing that, Margot. Now, in addition to inflation, there's a multitude of issues, but I want you to hear Steve Kornacki. Back in the days, he used to be the writer at Inside NJ or PoliticsNJ.com. I forget what they called it. And now he's a big-time analyst on MSNBC. Listen to this. I mean, I guess the concept of a gender gap, not necessarily new to American politics in ways we've been talking about it in decades, but I think it's striking here, some of these numbers, if you look at the NBC polling coming out in the first few months of this year in advance of the midterm elections this year, and just comparing them to the last midterm election, mm-hmm. the 2018 midterm elections. Let's show you what we mean here. So this is 2018, and what you're seeing here, this is the post-election study that was done. These are the most comprehensive numbers I think you're going to get on the breakdown for the 2018 midterm vote. This is from Pew. And what they found was that men went Democratic by a two-point margin in the 2018 midterms. Women went Democratic by an 18-point margin. So again, a gender gap. And again, this was a year, this is about as good as it gets for for the Democrats, the midterm wave of 2018 when they took back the House. Now, take a look at the average of our NBC polling on the generic congressional ballot question. Do you want the Democrats? Do you want the Republicans in 2022? Now, the atmosphere overall, obviously, much more Republican friendly so far. But look at the shift here. It's a pronounced shift among men from Democrats by two in 2018 to in our polling so far this year, Republicans by an 18 point margin, a shift in the Republican direction among men of 20 points here. And among women, you see, it is a shift toward Republicans, but barely. It's from an 18-point margin for the Democrats in 18, now a 15-point margin in our polls. And so what you see here is the gap. Men favoring Republicans in our polling by 18 points. Women favoring Democrats by 15 points. That amounts to a gender gap in our polling so far this year of 33 
point. 33 points. So you've got 33 points in this gender gap, which, again, I think is irrelevant in many ways. But it's important to have this data so that you could campaign effectively. And then they go on, right, trying to understand what might account for this. But I, I can tell you what accounts for it. It's college-educated women, clearly. It's college-educated anybody, I would say, because college educations aren't what they used to be. I, I remember telling my kids when they were little, listen, all you got to do in life is you got to get to college. You got to get to college and dedicate yourself to some sort of career, you know, become a something, become a doctor, become a lawyer, become something that's a professional. And that's it. And, and now I feel like I've, I've sold them a bad bill of goods because I don't want them to go to just any college. I want them to go to a college that matters, a college that's going to help them actually have common sense, free thinking, independent, critical analysis of things. And those are few and far between. Uh, my big girl's at Liberty University, and shout out to them. She's enjoying it there. I think it's a great curriculum. It's a great place. But there are a handful of schools in this country where you can send your kids, where they're not going to come back brainwashed by the evil left. And that's a damn shame. Anyway, more to come on this stuff straight ahead. I want to talk about what's going on with the Philadelphia mask mandate. That's back. It's been reinstated. Plus, what's going on with Governor Phil Murphy in New Jersey? Is he now saying he's going to backpedal a little bit? I hope so, because we need him and the Democrats to backpedal on this crazy law that was uh, introduced in 2020 and is being enacted now. And I'm glad that he's willing to have that conversation. More to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. The 45th president, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And I want to thank you for following, for subscribing to the show, for leaving a five-star review, all that stuff. Thank you very much. And just when you thought it was safe, just when you thought he was gone and he wasn't coming back, nope, that's it. He's here. He's back. 
back. That's right. It's the Fouchster. Right? The Anthony Fauci, Dr. Anthony Fauci, he's crawled out from uh, his his shell like the evil tortuga that he is. And he, um, he's got something to say. He thinks that, listen, uh, we might just have to bring back the masks. Listen to this. But the idea that we're going to see an uptick, I think people need to appreciate that that's the case and follow the CDC guidelines. Because remember, when the metrics were put forth, the new metrics, looking at the guidance of masking, it was said that if we do start seeing an uptick, particularly of hospitalizations, we may need to revert back to being more careful and having more utilizations of masks indoor. But right now, we're watching it very, very carefully. And there is concern that it's going up. But hopefully, we're not going to see increased severity. Oh, we're not going to see increased severity. Listen, I hope so, too. I know that people are getting the flu. People are getting allergies. People are getting the uh, coronavirus. Look at Eric Adams. He's holed up at Gracie Mansion while people are tearing apart the city. Now, of course, you're thinking, oh, Rich, come on, stop being so hard on him. This is a serious thing. He's got to stay quarantined. I mean, he looks fantastic. He looks fine. I saw him on the video. I just can't help but think, why not put on a mask and say, hey, are you vaccinated? You put on a mask and if you're going to be around me at risk of your infection or stay away. 10, 12 feet. Let's do this outside. I'm going to be at this press conference. I got to do this because my city's under attack. Meanwhile, everybody's hated person, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, right? People hate him because he did the thing in high heels and the tights. People, and I'm not defending him. I'm just saying, look at the difference. The guy's doing photo shoots. He's taking meetings with presidents. He's uh, uh, under attack, right? For the most part, they fought back a, a lot of this attack. And I think it's kind of secluded just to um, that that one area, the uh, Donbass, because that's what they decided to do when the Russians pulled back. Now, are the Russians pulling back to hit them with chemical weapons? Who knows? Are the Russians pulling back because they wanted to fire their general and bring in a new general? They might be. There's uh, been some talk about that. Uh, but do I believe for a second that that it's because the war is fake and that the Ukrainians are just killing themselves? Absolutely not. I think you're going to have situations where Ukrainians might be killing other Ukrainians for food, for for philosophical differences. Like, you know, if I'm a Ukrainian and I am in the uh, in the militia and you're one of those pro Putin types, we've got a problem. And that's been going on. Right. They've been uh, the term is shelling, shelling. I don't know why they use this term shelling. I've never heard this term used so much in my life until now, uh, but they've been bombing each other with mortar shells. For forever, since 2014. I think everybody knows that. It's not a secret. And I, I've made this comparison in the past, and I'll make it again. I hate to get into Russia, but I feel like Russia's been so perverted by by the um, the pro-Putin propagandists. And it's this. If, you know, Mexico were to invade the United States, and now there's an invasion here, and, you know, they're, they're moving in, they're encroaching, and they get to places like New York City, Philadelphia, wherever— and in effect, these places have a civil war. People in America like to call it black-on-black crime. But the reality is there's, there's a high murder rate in these places. It used to be Baltimore. Philly's got uh, a ton of homicides, sadly. So you look at that stuff and you think, you know, if a foreigner comes in and says, look, it's not us that's killing these people. These people are killing themselves already. I mean, they would have a point, right? Of course they would. doesn't mean they're not killing people. It doesn't mean they're not tearing buildings down. It doesn't mean any of this stuff is not happening. But if they want to lie and say, just look at the look at the statistics coming out of Baltimore, look at the statistics coming out of Philadelphia, look at these statistics. These people are Americans killing other Americans. And it would sound so true to anybody who's unsuspecting. And this is what they're doing in Ukraine. So you got to watch the Russians. You got to watch them like a hawk because they're full of it. Now, 
moving from the Russians to the Chinese, Anthony Fauci's best friend, he says, let's go. We, we can't really, uh, I don't want to disparage Russia for, for spreading this virus. Uh, uh, you know, they did what they had to do. It's, it's very important to spread a global pandemic. Uh, l- listen to this. We spoke to one of the WHO investigators who'd been to Wuhan to investigate how the virus started. And they were prevented from seeing key details and, and from speaking to key people. Why do you think the Chinese government did that? You know, um, I don't want to create any or, or, or mention any any disparaging remarks about that. But the Chinese are very closed uh, in a way of being very reluctant, particularly when you have a disease that evolves in their country. They become extremely secretive, even though there's no reason to be secretive. I think they were very concerned and maybe embarrassed that the virus evolved from their country, but there's nothing wrong with that. So (laughs) when they see something evolving in their own country, they tend to have a natural reflex of not necessarily covering things up, but not being very open and transparent. (laughs) Oh, the Fouch. I mean, if, if it wasn't so sad, it would be funny. My goodness. I mean, the way they cover for one another is just, it's just beyond me. But I'll say this. I'm beating up Eric Adams, mayor of the city of New York, because he won't show up to a press conference on Tuesday when the city was attacked. There's a shooter, smoke bombs, 29 people injured. And he's holed up because he's got coronavirus, although he looks like he's fine. He's probably asymptomatic. Yet, uh, Jen back pasaki says that Kamala Harris is out there and about doing whatever she's got to do with no mask because, you know what, it's a historic moment and she's an adult and she's human. I don't know. You tell me. What do you think? On the issue of the vice president and the masking, a couple of times you've cited emotional day, important day, important role she was playing. You're not saying that those things are reasons to not follow CDC. Absolutely not. And I appreciate your question on that. What I was conveying is that, um, you know, while she has worn a mask, as is protocol and as is our expectation of everyone from the vice president, the president, all of us on down, if you have a close contact, uh, that there was a photo, as uh, Jackie said. And there there are moments when yeah, she was human and uh, she didn't have a fat mask on in a photo, um, but she has worn the mask. And certainly that is what we want to con- convey to the American people. Is it because of the photo, because it's an important day and the photo will live for decades that we all understand. I mean, I'm wearing a mask today. I don't always wear a mask. Yeah. Is that the reason? I think it was a decision made in the moment, uh, but uh, it doesn't mean that we don't uh, all uh, try to be model citizens here and abide by what the CDC protocols are and requirements. And I conveyed uh, and wanted to reiterate that she did test negative in case those of you had not seen that because she now is at that five day uh, past the close contact. All right. Look, the point here is that we have to do more. Stop living in fear of this thing and guiding. It's like we exist for coronavirus and then maybe, maybe we can do whatever. I mean, it's horrible. Philadelphia has now reinstated their indoor mask mandate. Horrible, horrible. I mean, if you want to wear a mask, put one on. There's no need for these mandates, in my opinion. Not at all. But um, as uh, earlier this week, on Monday, the health commissioner, Cheryl Bedigal, She says at a press conference, simply put, it means we're reintroducing a mask mandate in Philadelphia. There was 142 new cases in Philadelphia in recent days, and 46 people are currently hospitalized with COVID-19. The school district of Philadelphia has planned on requiring masks as students are returning from spring break 
on April 18th. The new mandate means all schools and daycares in the city must follow suit. So we're putting masks back on the kids. And again, I'm not saying you should not mask your kid. I'm saying you should not mandate the masking of your kid because it's in the 99 percentile. Oh, but Rich, with the spread, the spread, that's the whole point here, right? It's the spread, the spread, the spread. This is the teachers union being a bunch of pansy wallflowers. They're afraid because they're in their 50s and 60s that they're going to get this thing and drop dead. Now, listen, I, I respect that. But you can't take it out on every last little snot-nosed brat that's in your classroom. This is the profession you've signed up for. I used to work in a profession as a government administrator. Everybody around me said, hey, look, I came in as a political appointee, but you know what? I liked it around here, and they made a whole career, 20, 25 years, and they were going to retire, et cetera, et cetera. Some people were there 30-plus years that I met, and they said, oh, you got to take the test. we got to get you in, civil service. And all I could think to myself was, I'm really here for a mission because I don't like it. Government service, I mean, it doesn't mean I won't ever do it again, but I can tell you it was a horrible thing. I mean, these people, when they found out that I didn't agree with their politics, they did so many things to to make my life more difficult. They knew the system. And again, these were trivial things compared to what some people go through, like what Trump went through, spied on this, that, all that. I mean, but they did things to me, things that cost me thousands of dollars ultimately. And I thought, man, all of this because you don't like my boss who at the time was a Republican governor, El Jefe, Chris Christie. And I thought, man, that's messed up. But that's what it was, because that's how the swamp works. When the swamp doesn't like you, it will do what it can to chew you up and spit you out. And it's that that's guiding policy now. It's the swamp within the teachers union that are saying that we've got to mask every last little kid. You've got to be kidding me. I think it's crazy. It's not something that we should be doing. It's something that we, we need to take the bull by the horns and get to the bottom of this. Now, speaking of teachers and teachers unions, Phil Murphy says that he is willing to uh, have a conversation about what's going on with this New Jersey school law. So I want to get to that and a couple of more things before we wrap this up. So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. This is America. This is America. This is America. Para Inglés, o primo número dos, para Rich Valdez, y esto es América, ahora. All right, America, what's up, Philly? What's up, everybody listening from across America? Thank you for joining the show. This is America with Rich Valdez. I'm at Rich Valdez with an S on all the social media, so make sure you give me a follow so we can stay in touch. And the show is available uh, odyssey.com or iheartradio.com. You can listen to this show on demand anytime you like if you are not able to listen to it when it airs on the weekends. You can listen to it uh, right through your phone, right through your computer. And uh, that's a great thing because I think on-demand listening, whether it's in TV, with uh, streaming, uh, or radio, or whatever you have, even music, it's the wave of the future. I mean, I feel so badly when I speak with people that are older that they call sometimes. They say, oh, what's your address? And I think there's no address. Studios are shutting down. People are setting up home studios all over the place. And people are connecting remotely in so many different ways. There isn't an address anymore. People don't use landlines anymore. This is just a new way of doing business. And guess what? People are like, you know what? I love to listen to so-and-so in the radio in the car on the way home. And that will, I think, always dominate, or at least, you know, for the for the large part of the future, will continue to dominate appointment listening in a car during a commuting time. But most people 
are, are beginning their transition. And I don't mean transitioning to the, you know, the opposite sex. I mean transitioning to on-demand. I did it about at least five, six, maybe seven years ago with television. I stopped watching live TV. I catch whatever show I like the next day on, on one of the streaming services, which I'm actually probably going to cancel soon because I don't like what they're doing in, in the culture war. And this will probably be the third streaming network that I cancel. I canceled Netflix when they did Cuties. I'm thinking of getting rid of Hulu now. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm going to watch. I, I have Blaze TV, which is pretty cool. But there's not enough variety on these conservative channels where they give you stuff that's, you know, like what you get on the other channels, like Law & Order or whatever. You know I mean? These are shows that I enjoy watching. So I'm not sure. I'm on the fence about it. But I don't like giving my money to things that I don't support. And that's why I think we have to change those things and force these people to offer a variety of things. You know, you can't always force your will upon everybody else. But it seems like that's what Phil Murphy and the legislature did in New Jersey. They tried to force their will, their idea of what your kids should be doing in a classroom. And again, the reason I'm so upset by this is nothing like many people think. Kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade has been the same for a very long time. And there's no reason to change it now but for admitting that we're trying to indoctrinate your kids. If you come out and say, look, I think what you're teaching your kids at home is wrong. Whatever religion, whatever way you want to raise your kids is wrong. We want to inculcate the religion of leftism, which includes whatever gender fluidity it may entail. And that's why we're doing this. If they were honest about it, some people would actually support them. I'm not one of those people that would actually support them, but there would be some crazies that do that. And Phil Murphy... He's playing it safe. He's playing it close to the vest here with his latest statement saying that he's willing to entertain changes to the gender identity lessons for second graders. Democrat Governor Phil Murphy defended the state education plan teaching gender identity issues to young students on Monday. But he said parents deserve a say in the issue. Wow. You would think that parents deserve the final say in the issue. He goes on, I think there's some sort of sense that parents have no say. And I would like to say emphatically that parents deserve absolutely to have a say in this sort of stuff. Oh, thank you, Governor, for saying that parents should have a say in this sort of stuff. And he goes on, along with all other interested parties, but probably none are more interested than parents. It's almost as if as the words are coming out of his mouth, he's realizing that he's put his foot in his mouth because when it comes to children, parents are the primary and I would say singular stakeholder. You as an educator are not a stakeholder in my child's life. You don't have any right to them other than if they get hurt on your watch, you might be liable. So don't hurt them, including emotionally. Anyway, this is uh, something that we got to stay on. We have to continue to focus on this because this will spread like cancer. Kudos to DeSantis for doing what he did in Florida. We need to do the same thing here. People in New Jersey need to get together. Watch out. It'll come to Pennsylvania. Watch out. It'll come to Texas. They will do this because this stuff was born out in Oregon and Washington State. So get going. I would say Put your activist hat on and start asking questions and pushing back against these lefties. Anyway, that's all I got for today. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So make sure you do something. Stand up to this uh, tyrannical leftist regime that's trying to turn your kids gay and turn them into transgenders or at least teach them what that's about in kindergarten. I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 